Last week, we started a, a new series on how to receive your healing. And uh, I've gotten a lot of comments on that uh, with the, using what we talked about, drawing from the well, drawing from the wells of salvation. We learned last week that how we draw from those wells is in joy. That's how come all the time God is telling you, you know, through the book of James, count it all joy when you fall into different test trials and afflictions. The reason why he says to count it all joy, because it's not joy, it doesn't feel like joy, you have to count it joy, but you have to count it joy, otherwise you can't draw from the well, which is what you need when you're going through things like this. Well, we want to continue on with this tonight, uh, and we want to bring another big part of this into it, and we want to talk about how to how another part of this we we draw from the wells of salvation in joy but we also have to hold fast to the confession of our faith this is a huge thing in the body of christ right now because christians are letting the word of god depart out of their mouth and that is the thing that is hindering them from literally drawing out of the well Oh, they're pulling that bucket up sometimes, but then all of a sudden the joy stops and they stop speaking the word of God and start speaking how they feel, what they see, right? And, and it does, you can't receive like that. So let's go back to John. Remember, this is the story of the, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well where Jesus asked her for a drink. And we're just going to skip down to verse 14 of chapter 4 of John where this story is at because Jesus makes a statement that is huge and you can see references to this well all through the Bible. But he says, but whoso drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Well, why would I never thirst? Because the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And last week we talked about everlasting life. You could use the terms eternal life, everlasting life, or salvation interchangeably. Because all of it has to do, they all speak of what was accomplished in the death burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we, we went into it last week. We went into Isaiah 53 predominantly, and we really saw that Jesus went to the cross to redeem us from the curse of the law. He was made to be sin so that we would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in him, Right? He was made poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. He took poverty and lack upon himself on the cross so that you and I could live in a full and overflowing supply. In other words, in the same way that he went to the cross for your sin, he went to the cross to take care of poverty and lack for you. In the same way that he took care of spiritual death, he took care of poverty and lack, but also it says that surely he's borne our sickness and carried our pain. This is Isaiah 53. 
We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, right? Adam's sin, we looked into that word. He was bruised for our iniquities. What is that? That's our sin, the, the sins that we've committed, right? The chastisement, which means the restraint of our shalom, which means well-being in every area of life. The thing that was restraining the, the shalom of God from coming upon people, was the restraint was put on him. He paid the price for your poverty and lack. And with his stripes, you are healed. First Peter 2.24, looking back to the cross, says, by whose stripes you were healed. The redemptive act, eternal life, everlasting life, salvation. So it includes righteousness. It includes prosperity. It includes healing. It's a, it's a complete work. The very word salvation means all of these things. In other words, there is a well in you of healing. Jesus, Matthew 8, Jesus himself bore your sickness and carried your pain, right? It says that Isaiah's commentary on that in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, it says they brought unto him all that were sick, and he healed them all that it might be fulfilled. And actually in the Greek letter, in literal Greek, it says that the fulfilling might begin. And then it quotes Isaiah 53, 4. Guys, we are living at the end of the church age. It is very obvious that the enemy is using viruses, sickness, and disease to try to control humanity and bring them into fear. Now, as this pandemic seems to be going down, that's so great, but I'm here to tell you, Satan has started all this in the garden, he's not going to stop. So this is why we learn who we are in Christ, learn what he's given us, because God has no, no plans for you to be sick, no plans for you to be in pain. Viruses, disease is not ever to live in your body. So this is why we're talking about this. You need to know how to lay hold of your healing so that you can now go out and help others lay hold. God is a healer, always has been, always will be. I think one of the greatest things about this revival that I believe we're going to see all over the world, it's going to be people getting healed, right? People, people getting free in the midst of some kind of virus or some kind of crazy thing going on. You know, the Bible says that we're to abide in the secret place of the Almighty. Everlasting life, eternal life, salvation, you have been given it. Isn't that amazing? You possess it right now. There is wells in you. There is a well in you that will bring prosperity and abundance into your life. There is a well in you that you can draw from. It's in you of healing. Isn't that amazing? See, the price of sin has been paid. 
the price of well-being, shalom, well-being in every area, including finances, has been paid, right? The price of healing has been paid. Whatever you're facing in your body, whatever you will ever face, Jesus already bore it 2,000 years ago uh, in his body on the cross. He bore it so that you don't have to. Boy, we've been getting a little weak on this, you know, in the body of Christ, but I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be weak anymore. It's going to get stronger and stronger. And I know for me personally as a pastor, it burns in my heart to proclaim the goodness of the Lord, right? It's so important. The price has been paid. So let's go a little deeper on this. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 in verse 13. Man, I grew up. Galatians 3.13, I grew up in a denomination that, you know, I thought it was awesome. Getting saved meant I get to go to heaven. And I got to tell you, the minute we're raptured, guess what? You know, it's so funny when you talk to younger people, man, you know, I just want to be married. I just want to, listen, you have no idea, <laughs> right? You have no idea. I mean, we have a little bit of an idea, but when we get to heaven, we're just going to be like, yep, Ephesians 3.20, this is definitely exceeding abundantly above anything I could ask or even think. Are you kidding me, right? Look at this. It says, Christ hath. Now, I went to high school. I thought that going to high school was for the purpose of playing basketball. I didn't really know you were going there to learn something. But for all of you, you know, English majors, you know that half is past tense. So this is something that Jesus has already done. He hath redeemed you. This means to pay a ransom and buy you out, to rescue you out of something and place you into something else. This is something that happened for all of us living in 2022. It happened for us before we were even born. He, Christ, Jesus Christ went to the cross to redeem us from something called the curse of the law. It was the curse that was in the earth that would come upon people for breaking God's law. Amen. See, when, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world and death came in it by sin. And now there was a curse. And in the Old Testament it says the curse causeless does not come. In other words, the curse always had a, way, a reason why it, why it came. If somebody was messing up and not like... The Bible, when we go through, we're going to look a little bit at Deuteronomy 28 because it lists the curse of the law. And, and, and it literally, God says in that chapter, the reason why this is coming on you is because you would not hearken unto my voice. There was another scripture, you would not serve me with joy. Joy. There's joy again. Right? 
It's like when, you, when, when Pastor Dave gets up here and receives the offering. Do you notice how much he talks about being cheerful, being joyous? Why? Because God, right now, you know, he's not looking at your outward countenance. He's looking at your heart, always. He knows right where you are. Sometimes you don't even know really where you are. Right? But this curse would have a reason. Now we need to talk about this. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse that came on man when he disobeyed God's commands. This included spiritual death, sickness, disease, pain, poverty, and lack. Christ redeemed us. So, if redeem means he paid a price, well, what was the price? He shed his blood. He literally paid. He, he literally, his body bore all of our sin, all of our sickness and disease, all of our poverty and lack. It was placed upon him. He paid for it in about A.D. 30 to A.D. 32. He redeemed us. Yeah. That's when, literally, you were rescued and ransomed. And then he took you and he... See, redeem doesn't just mean to pay to get you out. It puts you someplace else. Right? I mean, it'd be a bummer if you got rescued out of one place and all of a sudden you were put in another dangerous place. No. We learned from Colossians we were put into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. The kingdom. This is where God's, God's rules, God's word, the, the desire of the king, his will is done in his kingdom. Now here's the thing. You and I have a free will. So we could, we're in the kingdom. Don't let Satan talk you out of the benefits of living in the kingdom. Right? Do you have to be afraid of the curse of the law? Well, is anybody sick? Has anybody ever been sick? I've been sick. Well, now wait a minute. So does that mean the curse came and got me? Come on, preach it. What happened? Satan operates as an outlaw. You have been redeemed from the curse. When you don't hearken diligently to the word of the Lord, does it mean the curse has a legal right? No. Christ redeemed you. So how does all this stuff happen? Satan throws thoughts. He's been defeated. And he literally will deceive you. Sometimes he'll just attack your body illegally. And you can run to God and go, hey, can you get him out of my body? And God will look at you and say, I already did. Now you use the name of Jesus and you get him, you keep him out. And everything you say that I say, I'll perform it. Right? But God is limited to what he can do by our faith. But don't think 
See, some people think, man, I better tithe or the curse is going to come on me. No, you've been redeemed from the curse. You've been redeemed from the curse. Well, you've got to stay in the middle of the road here, right? He, was, he redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. He's quoting Deuteronomy 21, 23 there. We've been redeemed. So let's look at the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is the Pentateuch, written by Moses, right? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. He just penned it. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28, in verses 15 through verse 68, it lists the curse of the law, the curse for breaking God's law. Now you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So let's look at what it says here in verse 21. Go to verse 21. I'm not going to read the whole thing. How depressing, <laughs> right? But I do want to show you some of the things that you've been redeemed from before you were ever born. Verse 21 it says, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto you until he have consumed you. Does that sound like God? So this word, this verb, make, this Hebrew verb, it could be translated in the causative sense or the permiss or causative tense or permissive tense. This Hebrew verb is in the permissive tense. But the translators translated it in the causative sense or tense. So the causative tense would be right. The Lord shall make. Did the Lord make the pestilence cleave to people? No. Did the Lord allow the pestilence to cleave to people? Absolutely. The whole Old Testament is about God. He comes in. Man was lost. Satan had rule. He comes. He, he makes a covenant with Abraham that gains him access into the earth. Amen. Jesus is the guarantee. So now, all of a sudden now, through all of this, now the law comes out and the law is given by Moses and what it was designed to do was to show man there is no way that you can live up to the holiness level yes. that God is because you're spiritually dead and you need a savior. You need, a, if you're Jewish, you need a Messiah, right? Do you know the Jewish, the Jewish people that don't know the Lord, they are looking. Well, now there's a lot of atheist Jews, but the ones, the Orthodox Jews, they are looking for Messiah. They know he is coming very quickly. The sad thing is they're going to choose the Antichrist. But they're looking for their Messiah. So this would read, the Lord shall allow the pestilence. See, the Old Testament's a story of God would tell them, listen, do what I say and I'll protect you I'll bless you, I'll heal you, I'll do all of this stuff, 
And when they would obey it, they were blessed above all the nations of the earth. But then when they were so blessed, and God would always tell them, now listen, when you're blessed of me, just don't forget where it came from. And they would, and they would go out and start doing their own thing. We can't give them a hard time because we are filled with the Spirit of God and we've gone out and done our own thing. Right? So, so, you know, they weren't walking around. They weren't walking around with the law. They, they didn't have their little leatherback Bibles with their name imprinted on it, right? No. They didn't have that. We do. Right? So, so now, basically, they'd get out there, they'd do their own things. God would send prophets warning them. They'd kill the prophets. And finally, the righteous judge of all the earth would have to render judgment which would allow the enemy access, and now they're taken into captivity, they're sick. They're... But the minute they would turn to him, all of a sudden he'd come in, they'd start obeying him, and man, they're doing great. And this is happening all through the Old Testament. This is dealing with what they had to deal with. This is the curse of the law. The Lord shall make or allow the pestilence. This is the... The Hebrew word for plague, it's a dreaded disease. You could put viruses in this. He'll allow them to cleave unto you until he have consumed you. Verse 22, the Lord shall smite. Again, that is the causative sense or tense but this was not written in the causative tense. This verb is in the permissive tense. So it should read, the Lord shall allow you to be smitten with a consumption. A consumption. This is a wasting disease of the lungs or of the body that causes the body to waste away. And with a fever. Now, you should start getting kind of excited because you've been redeemed from viruses. You've been redeemed from consumption, lung disorders and all this stuff. You've been redeemed from fever. What about this one? Read some books on inflammation. It's not good for your body. You've been redeemed from inflammation. In other words, inflammation, fevers, consumption, plagues have no legal right. This, this word plague... In Deuteronomy 21, or pestilence in Deuteronomy 21, you could even fit cancer into this. Diabetes. It says, and with an extreme burning, you've been redeemed from all that. Verse 27, the Lord will smite again. The Lord will allow you to be smitten with the botch of Egypt. Man, you don't even have to know what that is to know you do not want the botch, right? <laughs> that is a boil. Have you ever had a boil? Yeah. An ulcer. That, that would include that. Serious skin eruptions and sores. And with the emeralds, I bet you can guess what that is. Hemorrhoids, the thing that nobody ever wants to talk about, but man, you sure don't ever want to deal with it either. You've been redeemed from it. So if you have that, it's illegal. And with the scab, 
This is a skin disease. And with the itch, you don't even have to know what that is to know you don't want it, right? We're laughing at this stuff. That's horrible. The itch, it would, it would, in the Hebrew language, it means any skin disorder. And then here's the bad thing about all this stuff that he lists, whereof you cannot be healed. You've been redeemed from things that you can't be healed from. Isn't that good news? Verse 28, let's move on. That's bad. Look at this. The Lord shall smite you again, shall allow you to be smitten with madness. Now we're starting to talk about mental disorders, insanity. Schizophrenia would fit into this. I mean, I could go, I, we should actually teach on this because I, I have a whole list of all this stuff. And blindness. Wow. Boy, do the blind need to hear that one. You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed from blindness. Wow. It's good. Hallelujah. You've also been redeemed from astonishment of heart, confusion, and again, dealing in the mind, right? Suicide, depression, all of these anxiety attacks, all of this is in there. Personality disorders, all of it. You've been redeemed from it. So if you face anything, realize this is illegal. It has no right. Jesus bore this for you. And then here's another one in verse 35. And the Lord shall allow you to be smitten in the knees. Have you ever had problems with your knees? And in the legs, that would include your hips and throughout your legs. With a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot unto the top of your head. I'm so glad I've been redeemed from this. Then the Lord will allow to be made your plagues wonderful and the plagues of your seed. Now it's talking about the curse of the law not only affects you, it affects your children. Even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sicknesses and of long continuances. Now look at verse 60. Moreover, he will allow to be brought upon thee all the diseases of Egypt. You should study the Egyptian culture. Boy, did they have diabetes. They had, they had all kinds of stuff, which is crazy. They didn't eat processed foods back then. I mean, it's important that you eat right, that you, that you maintain your weight and, and you work out. It's important, but realize this. There's 40-year-old triathletes, Ironman triathletes that fall dead because Satan's a killer. It says here, moreover, he will allow to be brought upon you all the diseases of Egypt, which you were afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. You've been redeemed from that. And then now, if there's anything else, if you're going, okay, but you know, I have this, 
Okay, well, check out verse 61. Also, every sickness. Say this with me. I have been redeemed from every sickness, from every disease, from every degenerative condition. I've been redeemed. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law, them will the Lord allow to be brought upon you until you be destroyed. Wow. So don't you love Colossians chapter 1 in verse 12, talking about what we've, we've been taken out of the delegated influence of darkness. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks This is the Greek word eucharisto. It means constantly giving thanks. In other words, I live a life of thanksgiving because I've been bought out of all that nonsense. I am free. Eucharisto, I love that. Constantly offering thanksgiving unto the Father which hath, past tense, made us this, this Greek word, kazu, it means he qualified us. Your father, through the redemptive work, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he qualified you for this. He qualified us to be able to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints in light. This, the literal meaning of this verse Constantly giving thanks unto the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. God qualified you. You are qualified. Do you know I'm not qualified to go fly a jet, but I am qualified to lay hold of my healing. I am qualified to walk free from sickness and disease. I am qualified to lay hold of his prosperity for my life. I am qualified to walk in righteousness and sin, never to have any any death in my life anymore. I'm qualified. I was made qualified. I didn't have to go to school and learn how to be qualified. Nope, I was just made qualified. You've been made qualified. It's not natural for you to be sick. It's not natural for you to be in lack. It's not natural for you to have the effects of someone who's not righteous come into your life. Oppression, children acting the way they should. You know, all this stuff, weapons formed and prospering against you. That's not who you are. You've been made righteous. That's how come you feel so much inner turmoil when you have this stuff in your life. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it's time for you to get serious. And that's why we have to watch our mouths. We have to hear the right thing so that we believe the word of God, so that we what? We act on the word of God. Right? So important. This is very important. Look at this, verse 13, as if verse 12 wasn't good enough. Who hath delivered us? And you've heard me say this before. This is in the Greek aorist tense. This means that the action that it's going to talk about is viewed as complete, 
whole. It's a one-time deal. It, it, what that means is you've been redeemed out of the delegated influence once and for all. You cannot be put back into it because of this word right here. The way God delivered you, you cannot. Satan can't pull you back and put you under his delegated influence anymore. It's a one-time action. One-time action. Once and for all. You could read it this way. Who hath once and for all delivered us from, this means out from, the power. This Greek word means excusia. Out from the authority of darkness and has translated us or in English, has transferred us to remove from one place and put us someplace else into the kingdom of his dear son. Tonight, I'm here to tell you that God is telling you, you have been removed once and for all from the delegated influence of darkness. Don't put up with anything. He has no right wherever you are. Right? No right. Zero. Oh, man. We've been completely rescued out of that. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he stepped out of that tomb. He stepped out of that tomb as the absolute master of, of every phase of death. Think about that. Not partial victory, complete. Wow. He stepped out of that tomb as the absolute master of hell and everything to do with it. He stepped out of that tomb as the absolute master of Satan and all of his hierarchy. Absolute master of sin and all of its consequences. He stepped out of the tomb. He destroyed it. Wow. So again, like last week, the question is, when are you going to believe you were healed? It's the question. When I see it in my body, it doesn't work like that. You have been healed before you were ever sick. Before you were ever even born. That's amazing. See, when the light starts to go on, you get very tenacious. What? And I've been putting up with this foot hurting me, this knee, this hip. I am not. I, I've been putting up with this disease, this or that. No more. You've been redeemed. Pastor, man, that's, that's pretty bold. Yes, it is. But it's not my boldness. God said this. You have a problem? Talk to him. That'll be a fun conversation. Right? You cannot, we said this last week, you cannot look at the symptoms in your body and tell if you're healed or not. Symptoms never, ever, ever have any ability to affect God's word. God's word affects symptoms. Right? Never forget that. 
So many Christians are trying to fight sickness and disease and pain in their body. But don't, you can't get into this. Because if you start fighting it in your own strength and start looking at this, what will start happening is you will start judging whether or not you're healed or well based on how you are feeling, what a doctor's report tells you, what an MRI says, and that is just not the way it works. People are trying to attack physical sickness and disease from a physical body change standpoint. Right? You know, as a trainer, when I was a trainer as a young man, I would have guys, they would have them, guys and ladies, they would go down to Saddleback College every month, spend five bucks and do a dunk test so that, that we would literally calculate, okay, how much fat you have on your body, how much muscle, and we would be able to tell on a monthly basis. I had people that were dialed in. They, you know, they would tell, my workouts are working because I'm burning fat and I'm building muscle. And, and basically, we, it was nothing to do with faith. It was all about body change. <clears throat> Today, we could have a watch that will tell us if our heart's healthy and if this is that and that's that and, and be, I'm not saying that's bad, that's good, but don't let it move you. It's like, an, it's like my iPhone. Man, I love that iPhone. Why? Because I could go anywhere and I have access to the word, but you will never catch me flipping through Facebook because I'm not wasting my life on that stuff. I don't care that somebody's cat jumped out of a tree and did three flips and landed on the ground, Right? I don't, I don't have time because I was 30 and then I blinked and now I'm 60. And, but as 60, I don't really think of myself as old because now I'm sitting here going, listen, the Bible is all in place. Jesus is coming. I want to do everything I can. And I don't want to stand before him even with sickness in my body. I, I want that out. I, I want to meet the master in victory and triumph, yielding all my fruit. Trying to attack physical sickness and disease from a physical body change standpoint. Yes, get your blood work done every few months, whatever. But, but do it for this purpose, so that you have a testimony. Right? Don't do it because you're in fear. Pastor, pray for me that I have a good report. I don't have to pray for you to have a good report. You have a good report. It's his report. You already have a report. Listen, if that report the doctor gives you doesn't look good, don't worry about that. You keep the word in your heart and out coming out of your mouth, and that outward report will change. You're not fighting flesh and blood here. You're not fighting against your own flesh to get healthy. You are fighting against an enemy. Man, we have some people in political offices that I can't even listen to them. But I pray for them. Because when I hear them, all I see is what's behind them. And just going, oh man, this is, this is satanic influence. This is satanic leadership. But see, if I start looking at all this stuff, right? Oh, pastor, I want to I go to coffee with you. 
you know, because uh, I just, there's a lot of pastors that are really wimps and they don't know what's going on. And I want to fill you in on everything going on. Have no time for that. Have no time for that. Because you start telling me that this party is wrong and that's this. And, and first of all, you have no idea how evil this whole thing is. Second of all, I got to keep my eyes on Jesus because I have authority. Right? And the one thing I know, the, as I keep the armor of God on me, I will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I'll be able to survey the battlefield. I'll know right where he's coming and I'll be led on what my part is to do. But boy, I get my eyes, I spend too much time reading all this stuff, and all of a sudden I realize, wow, I'm kind of, kind of depleted because I'm reading all this stuff, but I'm not reading any truth. We got to stay in the truth. Now, I'm not saying don't look at any of this stuff. You be led by the Spirit of God. What are you supposed to do? I don't know. You work out your own salvation. But be real careful with what you look at, because if you look at something too long, you'll start looking to it, and it will become your supply and your source, or you'll get in fear. You know, it's really funny, and I, I think I was with somebody, and they, they said this, uh, uh, Andrew Womack, he made a statement uh, that, you know what, I don't, I don't ever watch the news, I don't ever watch any of this stuff. He goes, God, God gets everything I need to know over to me. And that's, kind of, that's the way I live. I know everything. I mean, I feel like, you know, I, I really have a good grip on where I'm supposed to be right now. And it's very important for me as a pastor. I can't speak about what other pastors are supposed to do. But for me, it is burning in my heart at a level that I can't even put into words how important it is for people to be grounded in the word of God so that they can walk like Jesus walked and so that the enemy won't win. Look at this. They're talking about this well. Romans 8, 11. Hallelujah. How did it become 8 o'clock already? Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. How many of you are born again? Right? Everybody, I, I'm seeing all kinds of hands. That means the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So this is your verse right here. He that raised up Christ from the dead, you know when he raised Jesus from the dead, they said to look at his body, he did not look human. So there had to be some major physical healing taking place in his body for him to come out of that tomb. But the Holy Spirit, he that raised up Christ from the dead, shall also quicken. This means to make alive, to heal to restore to health, to make whole your mortal bodies. Hmm, doesn't talk, it's not talking about spiritual healing, is it? It's talking about physical healing. The Holy Spirit with the same power. I wonder if that could affect your kidneys, your cells. 
I wonder if that could clear out some arteries, rejuvenate some nerves. I wonder if that could, that could heal your knees or your hips or your back. I wonder if that could eradicate a tumor in your brain. Absolutely. Shall quicken your mortal bodies. By, how does he do it? By your confession? Nope. He does it by his spirit that dwells in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the source of healing. Your confession is not the source. Your faith is not the source. Now, is your confession important? Is your faith important? Absolutely. But it is not the source. So give yourself a break. Right? Give yourself a break. Sometimes when you deal with something for so long, it just kind of becomes part of you. Listen, if there's anything in your body, it's not part of you. Right? Look at talking about this drawing from the well. The greatest example I see is in Romans chapter 4. One of the greatest. It's Romans 4, 17, talking about Abraham. It says, as it is written... He, God told Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. God spoke this to Abraham before he had any children. He said, I've already made you that. Before him, whom he believed, even God, who is God? Who quickens the dead. He makes alive the dead. And calls those things which be not as though they were. That's the language of faith calls those things that be not. My knee doesn't work right. As though they were. So the person who has a knee that doesn't work right, what are they to say? Father, I thank you that I am healed. I thank you that I'm healed. And I thank you right now, your healing power Amen. coming from the mighty Holy Spirit is quickening my knee is restoring it to health. Why is it doing that? See, it's a different progression. In the Old Testament, you do this or else. New Testament, you started out being given everything. When you got born again, you were given everything that pertained to life and godliness. You were blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Everything in your whole life, everything, everything in your future, all the healing, all the provision, everything was placed in you. It was all yours. You own it all. So now a Christian, right, what do they do? If sickness attacks them, they come from the standpoint, I am the healed. I am the righteous. It's already been given to me. Now sickness you must leave my body. Fever, you've got to leave my body. You have no legal right. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. See, now it's a different thing. Now we use the name of Jesus to get this stuff out. Every circumstance, every sickness, all poverty and lack, it must bow. It has to bow to the name of Jesus. But see, we have to realize that. And when you realize that, you stay in joy. Look at this, Abraham, verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, 
so shall thy seed be. Notice that, look at this, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. How did he become the father of many nations? Well, he had a lot of kids. Nope. He became the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Why are you healed? I'm healed according to that which was spoken. Do you see that? I'm in prosperity and abundance according to that which was spoken. My God said he would meet all my needs. He'd make me the head and not the tail. He'd open doors. If I was willing and obedient, I'd eat the good of the land. Do you see that? According to that which was spoken. I love that. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, so in other words, Abraham was strong in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, he didn't closely consider it. But here's what you want to get out of this. Abraham was never looking at his body to tell him whether or not he was going to have a son. When you're believing God for healing, wouldn't it just be just a nice break to never look at your body to tell if you were healed? To just lay there and just go, oh, Father, I just thank you that I'm healed. Now, some people around you might think you're crazy, but God gets excited. Let every man think I'm crazy, but let me please my Father, because he is the final authority. Well, I just think, you know, think of what people go through with sickness and disease and pain. They're constantly, I mean, have you ever had your body hurt? You're con I mean, you're, it's constantly there. Isn't it amazing when you come to a revelation knowledge and it gets so big in you that I don't have to ever look at my body to tell me whether or not I'm healed. I know I'm healed. Wow. Abraham also did not allow his body to tell him whether or not God's word was true. I am never going to allow a circumstance to tell me whether the word of God is true or not. I'm not going down that road ever again. That means I'm not going to have a down day. Because I'm never going to let my body tell me. I'm never going to let my circumstances tell me what the situation is. If my kids are not where they're supposed to be, I'm not looking at my kids to decide whether or not the word of God is working or not. I know the word works and he's faithful. So now I'm just going to thank him for the answer. And I'm going to call those things that be not as though they already were. Right? And then it says this. Verse 19, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Look at this, verse 20, he staggered not. He, this, this word stagger means he didn't oppose, he didn't differ or contend with the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Well, what do you mean? 
Father, I just worship you and I give you glory because I am the father of many nations. You blessed me so much. Father, I thank you that I'm the father of many nations. Father, I thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful, Father. You're lifting your hands in stage four cancer and you're going, Father, I'm so thankful. I give you glory for healing me. I'm so thankful that I'm cancer free in Jesus' name. Well, now wait a minute. No, 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 you're calling those things which be not as though they were. That's the language of God. That's the language of faith. It sounds crazy to some people because they've been having the language of the enemy. The language of the world, I got to believe it until I see it. No, 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 this is the language of faith. Abraham, in other words, was singing and praising God in the midst of his trouble. Praising God is saying, it's mine. I have it now. I'm not, I'm not trying to get it. How can I try to get it? I've already got it. It's already been given to me. Satan, you can cause all this stuff out here to do whatever, but have fun. It's not going to be able to stay that way for a while. It's all going to change and come right in line with the word. And I am not moved. Why? Because I am like a tree. I delight in the word of God. I don't walk, stand, or sit in certain places. I delight in the word of God. And I'm like a tree planted by rivers of water. All, everything for me comes from the inside. And because of that, my leaf doesn't wither. I'll yield all my fruit in my season and whatever I put my hand to will be brought to maturity. Why? Because I've been redeemed. I've been made righteous. I've been freed from the curse of the law. Do you see that? This is, this is who we are as believers. See, the highest expression of faith is rest. But do you know how rest, the rest of God, you know how that's expressed? In praise. When if you if tonight you have a problem with praising God, you're not at rest. But if you'll start thanking him and start applying, get, your, get the word of God in abundance in your heart, pretty soon you'll live a, life, a lifestyle of praise. And you'll get out of this thing, well, you know, it's just not my personality. No, no, you've just been living in a personality that's been twisted. Right? Teresa, Pastor Teresa was telling me about this book, uh, Jesse Duplantis, when he went to heaven and and he was just talking about how, man, just so much power and love come, coming off God the Father that he's just on his face. And when Jesus showed up, just on his face. And, and, and you didn't, you know, you, like Jesse said, when he was in heaven, he's like, you'd walk around and you'd see something and go, wow, praise God. Well, you couldn't do that in heaven because everybody's like, yeah, praise God. I mean, there's nobody in heaven doing this during, before the throne of God. There's nobody doing this. No, there's nobody doing it. 
You know why? Because he's so irresistible. Because all this stuff we're dealing with, this is real, guys. This is real life. I love this. Hallelujah. So I'm going to close with this. Man, I've got so much. Don't, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Isaiah 12, verse 2. I've got to go back here. We talked about this last week. Hallelujah. <laughs> it says in, in Isaiah 12, 2, Behold, God is my salvation. In other words, God is my Yeshua. He's my deliverance, prosperity. That's what this word Yeshua means. He's my victory. He's my security. He's my healing and he's my health. Behold God. See, who, what do you mean behold? This is you talking to yourself. Behold this, Tony. God is your Yeshua. He is your healing. Well, I don't have any sickness in my body. Praise God. He is your health. He is your deliverance. He is your prosperity. Right? I will trust and not be afraid. In other words, if I don't behold that he is my salvation, I might start not trusting and get afraid. But if I behold it, and guess what? We all have the greater one on the inside of us, the mighty Holy Spirit who is the revealer that will show us this, that will strengthen us. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength, and this is why you can praise him, and he is my song. That word song means praise. He is my praise. This is why worship, praise and worship, it's a destination. It's where I passionately pursue him, and he always shows up. It's like, it's like you're worshiping, and all of a sudden... Your praise shows up. It's the way it works. He also is become my Yeshua, my salvation. Therefore, with joy. See, because I behold some things, now, therefore, with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. This is how it works. As I said last week, it's like faith is the bucket, but the manner in which you draw is joy. But the reason why you're in joy, it, it tells us in the Bible, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Right? Did I give you that scripture reference? It's in chapter 15, verse 23 of Proverbs. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. In other words, joy comes after your mouth is working. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells. So faith is the bucket. Joy is the manner in which I draw. And, I have, and, and how I draw in joy is I've got to speak, right? And my spirit is energized, the en I, I said this last week, the energy of your spirit is faith. 
you start walking in faith and your spirit is like, yeah, and it just gets stronger and more. I mean, it's amazing how God has made us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I better read this scripture since this is the title of the sermon. So Hebrews, I'm going to close with Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that he promised. The profession. This Greek word is homo logeo. It means to say the same thing. You and I are to hold fast to saying the same thing that God says about your situation. God never says you're weak. God never says you're going to be sick. He calls you the healed. He calls you the strong. This is a spiritual law that you must recognize. That your confession rules you. Your faith can never rise above the level of your confession. Nothing will establish and build your faith as fast as your confession. So how come Satan doesn't want you speaking the word? God can be no bigger than you confess him to be. It's impossible. See, confession is what builds a bridge to bring you all the blessings of God. It builds a bridge, right? So your confession builds this bridge from the unseen realm to your seen realm, and then faith brings the provision and all these blessings over that bridge. Think of it that way. It's the way it works. Your, your mouth builds the bridge so that faith, your faith can carry that stuff, your healing, your provision over to you. The word of God, you got to get this. The word of God will heal your body if you continually confess it. You never let it depart out of your mouth. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. Amen. Not just once a day or twice a day. I think Marilyn Neubauer, when she was, when she was here one time, she was talking about she was healed of, of a terminal cancer before she really ever knew, but the Lord would tell her, I want you to take your medicine. He would wake her up every hour to quote scriptures, right? Every hour. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You just got to learn how to follow him. And every time a pain hits your body, every time a wrong thought, you take it captive. You keep the word of God in your mouth because the word of God will heal you if you continually confess it. See, the confession of your lips that is grown out of the faith that is in your heart will defeat the enemy and and every, everything he ever brings against you, it'll defeat it. It's the confession of your mouth that is literally, that has literally grown out of the faith in your heart. 
See, this is how you lay hold of your healing. The word of God, he sent his word and healed you. Amen.